All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What's What BR. We have Dr. Arthur here with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you, Brandon? I am doing well. The uh, weather teased me with a little bit of a cold front and then went away. So I don't know. I was telling people I love the weather we were having. Wasn't sure. So it, it definitely was very pleasing for a while. And of course, now the heat and humidity is back. But uh you know, I mean, our air condition is working and we've got such good quality instruction happening in our classrooms. Uh, maybe maybe we're on fire. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> well, for anybody who doesn't know Arthur, as I've gotten to know him, you know, Dr. Arthur, it, you know, this is the superintendent for Iberville Parish Schools. So with that said, first time guest, we're so glad to have you kind of tell us what's going on. What's the day in the life, you know, where does it start with you? You know, what's kind of, what's that, you know, couple minute, what's the routine? What do people not know? You know, what is it? Well, I, yeah, definitely. The, the, the role is a 24 seven. I mean, you're constantly on call any, uh, any emergency that happens, any uh, thing out of the ordinary. So pretty early morning. Um, I still do have two of my children who live at home with us. Um, both of them are enrolled in our school system. Uh, one of my sons is participating in uh, Project Search through the uh, Special Education Department and our partnership with Dow Chemical. Um, and then I have one student who attends at uh, Plaquemine High School. So we, we get up bright and early, my wife and I, we, we get moving, we, we deliver our students to their locations. And usually I am in a school are in the office by 7.15, uh, ready to go. But before that, of course, all the email ha has been checked, all of the text messages and everything. Um, I, I try to visit our schools very regularly um, because I think it's important that the, the people who are doing the most important work, which is happening inside of our schools, do see me and uh, are able to have those conversations with me, tell me the things they need, tell me the things that, that can make their jobs easier. Um, you know, on a typical day, five, five or so, um, heading home, um, of course, on a board meeting date with committees and, and board meeting, of course, uh, you know, nine o'clock, 9.30. Um, but I mean, we, we have incidents, I mean, uh, last school year, at the end of the school year, there was a major rain event. And, uh, you know, our sheriff had to send a deputy to my house in the middle of the night because they knew we weren't going to be able to have school and we needed to communicate with our families. And so I think that a lot of times people don't necessarily see those things. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, as, as a superintendent, not only are you dealing with instruction, but you're dealing with business and finance and you're dealing with um, child welfare and athletics. And, you know, today I had to have a meeting with two of our amazing principals uh, about a football game. And so I think a lot of things that people don't really know that the superintendent does have to handle or be involved in. It's a good point. We've had a number of different superintendents in the area, but I guess that, you know, that vein has never come up that not only in charge of those in your charge is in the teachers and, you know, the faculty and administration, but, 
you also got a you facilities guy too, you know, like, Hey, we've got air conditioning, you know, we're building the new building or we're doing, you know, it's, there's, you got to have a hand in a little bit of everything where it's not just strictly straight down the line education. Like, I know you've got, there's other people that kind of deal with that, but ultimately people are looking to you to make some of those decisions, advise in some of those. And does this continue the mission that we're, you know, established Does this align those kind of things. So it kind of keeps you, I use the expression, I've got a number of different, you know, companies I'm involved with. And I used to tell people all day, you know, I'm a fireman during the day. I just run around and put fires out. And then at night when everybody goes home is when I get my real work done. So, well, yeah. So when I do leave the office, the computer is always with me. And so is the cell phone, because just because the regular work hours are done, doesn't mean that, that the job is done. And in order to keep up with all of the demands, um, you know, technology definitely does come into play and it, it definitely assists um, with that, uh, with the communication and the things that need to happen. Um, you know, one of the exciting things that we're doing is um, two of our high schools, White Castle High School and East Iberville High School, um, we're in the process of um, nearing completion of their football stadiums with um, turfing their football fields, redoing their tracks, um, improving the lighting, the scoreboards, all of those things. Um, we do have turf at our Plaquemine High School site already, um, but, you know, people don't know that you have to attend some of the uh, update meetings, the progress meetings on those types of things. You, you've got to ensure that you're approving change orders if, if uh, time is running by. And, you know, we've had such historic rain. It, uh, it definitely <laughs> has slowed down our, some of our projects. And then of course, with COVID, there is a major delay in materials and supplies. So we were set to do a couple of our school's roofs um, this summer. And we had to put those projects off. Um, we, we've got company, all of the money has been allocated, but the company that, that won the bid is unable to secure the materials to, to do the project. And so, you know, you, you're dealing with all of those things. And of course, the most important thing is always the instruction and the things that are happening inside of that classroom. But there's a lot of things that happen uh, on a regular basis outside of the classroom as well. No, it's it's funny you mentioned. I've got a roof I'm dealing with too, and I, my guy texted me that day. He's like, "If you don't get me the paperwork we need, he's like, I'm already, you know, materials are going to be pretty much shot." So right. he's like, "At this point, don't bother. You know, take your time." So, so no. So how is that? You mentioned and you kind of drive us down. You know, how is everybody's? You know, you know, just the the vibe. I guess you know we've got you know we've got students in classrooms, which I. I think is amazing. You know, we've gotten there. We had the struggle that every educator had to face that had, you know, is it last year now? You know what? We're a year and a half away from that, you know, 48 hours where it was like, hey, shut it all down and figure out how to do it, you know, on Monday. <laughs> so things are getting back. And what I've loved about this show, we started this kind of right at that time, like right after the shutdown. It was just more of a What's going on? How are you going to do it? And people wanted to hear the stories. And I love, you know, I, though we're still in a pandemic, as you know, we're told, we're now more people are talking about it in past tense, you know, that we're kind of getting through it. And so how are you, students adjusting, you know, faculty move through anything still 
you know, kind of what's that, you know, overall, like what pulse do you feel when you walk down the hall? Right. So, you know, I mean, we are still in the midst of this pandemic. There is no doubt about that. And, and we still have several mitigation protocol in place, things that we're doing to ensure the, the health and safety of our students, the health and safety of our employees. You know, that's always going to be paramount on, on all of our decision making. Um, you know, for, for some of our students, they haven't seen a regular school year. Uh, you know, this is the third year. And so you think about students who, who are near graduation or students who are, are younger and, and how that impacts them. And, you know, the one thing that I would say is resilience. Um, it is amazing how resilient that our educators, our administrators, our students have been. Um, you know, we can't thank all of, all of them for, for what they're doing, you know, on the front lines every day. But COVID is still a major issue. We are very fortunate in that we do have several community partners. So we've got on the east side of the river, the St. Gabriel Health Clinic. And here in Plaquemin, we've got um, Oshner, who has been uh, running a, a vaccination program out of the Iberville Health Unit. And so a large amount of our employees began receiving vaccinations last school year. Um, several obviously have done it with outside providers, but we feel really confident that, that at least 75% of our employees have been vaccinated, fully vaccinated. And so that has significantly reduced some of the challenges that we were facing because now if you're vaccinated, a teacher would not have to quarantine if he or she was um, designated as a close contact. Um, we still do, um, obviously, and especially with this Delta variant, the way that it's impacting our students, um, we have seen several students um, with COVID. And, and so, of course, that, um, that definitely adds a, an interesting dynamic. And then, of course, students who, who are considered close contacts are having to quarantine. And, um, you know, when you think about what we do to help support the students during that quarantine time, there's no one right answer when you think about a pre-K through 12 student. So what you do in pre-kindergarten or these early grades is certainly going to be different than what you're going to do in a high school English class. And then what you do to support the, the learning outside of the classroom in an English class is going to look very different than what you may do in a chemistry class. And so mm -hmm. it's been finding the right mechanism to help to keep our students moving forward with, um, with the curriculum um, so that they're not falling behind while they're unfortunately, you know, suffering with COVID or, or having been deemed a close contact. And I think we've gotten better. Um, you know, we, we faced a few obstacles right as the school year started, but I think that now we've really got a good plan with, and again, technology comes into play in such a positive way because we can live stream lessons. We can, um, we can do several things. We've got some ingenuity program, uh, program. We've got several things that our, our students can engage in. They can see their teachers actually teaching. Um, they can 
can Google Classroom, they can chat with teachers through, um, through Google Meet and all of those types of things. So we're so fortunate in Niberville in that, that we were nearly one-to-one. -one. And of course, this pandemic forced us to finalize making sure that even our youngest learners had those devices readily available to take home with them. And then of course, with the weather, and storms, you never know what's going to happen. And so you've got to be prepared with those types of things here as well. So, uh, you know, is, is our system back to 100% normal? Absolutely not. And I don't know if we necessarily want to ever get back to the pre-COVID normal, because I think we've learned a lot of lessons about ways that we can continue to engage students, even when they're not sitting in our classrooms. Um, although I do want to state for the record that face-to-face -face learning, we, we know, is by far the best mechanism for students to learn because they can engage with their teachers, they can engage with their classmates in such a positive way inside the classroom. That's our, I heard it in, it's a much longer speech that someone had given, but it was funny, they had made the correlation or however you want to look at it maybe I'm saying this wrong but they were talking about how like a lot of times in school people you know kids are normally it's like hey you've got to work and put this together and you know stay in your lane you know don't you know you're not supposed to talk and then as soon as kids get into the workforce the workforce is saying hey this is your team you need to collaborate and work together and it's like did, did we just miss that one somehow and so I'm seeing you know a lot of that is you know everyone's picking that up you know, it seems that it's exactly what you said. I agree. Face to face, you can't beat it. Um, even the conversation we're having here, you know, this works, but, you know, it's if we could be face to face, you pick up on so many more cues, you can talk, you know, there's those little side conversations that happen. And I think that helps. But when we bring, like you said, technology into play, it makes a world of a difference, you know, just to where if you're not sure of something, like I've always, thought it would be you know amazing i'm hoping that the leap will get made to where even when we have internal conversation or face-to-face -face instruction i look forward to the day where that same classroom face-to-face -face was recorded in a my child could go back and listen to it and watch it again like hey i missed this one piece or i took some notes what you know i'm a horrible note taker it could be like hey I, you know what i can go back and like sit through Tuesday's class again, or, Hey, I completely missed it. I was out, you know, with a dentist appointment, I can go back. And so I see us getting there, you know, and I see people seeing the need for it. So I'm excited to see kind of how this plays out as a father of a 13 year old and eight year old twin boys. Who's I'm really into technology. So, right. Right. So, yeah. And, and that sort of goes back to what I said about, you know, we don't necessarily want to go back to exactly how we were before COVID. And I think that like, like you're saying, the technology is such an important piece. And when we talk about our students in the classroom, of they may not get it the first time that they heard it. They may have to watch the teacher uh, demonstrate the problem or give the explanation again, or hear another student's explanation of how he or she solved it. And, and you know, it's such a good, good comment about, you know, live streamed lessons. And so, you know, for our kids, you may not be in the classroom, but we, we've got those recorded lessons in, in several classrooms, especially in, in the high schools. 
and and to be able to go back and watch and you know just maybe piggybacking off of something else that you said sort of with the social skills the the beauty now is we are seeing our teachers moving much more to the interactive classrooms of course vaccines are becoming you know more available for for students and um but you know when i walk into schools and when i'm visiting we see such quality engagement we see such positive amazing relationship buildings um we're uh, capturing kids hearts um school districts so all of our schools use a um specific philosophy and and sort of a program around the interactions that we have with students parents and each other and so we use a, a an excel model where we talk about we want to engage with the person that we're speaking to we want to explore you know we don't want to just go right into okay sit down i need you to take out your notebook you need to do such and such it's important to to talk about good things it it's it's great to set the stage so you know we engage and explore and then we communicate we also want to empower our learners and then before they leave us we want to set them off with something positive so we we call that a launch so we use that uh, capturing kids hearts excel model um you know we we committed ourselves to several years ago not only graduating students but we wanted them to have that diploma in one hand and something else that they could take and sort of boast about whether that that be an advanced placement course whether that be dual enrollment college credit whether it be a, a college level entry exam whether it be an industry based certification whether it be a welding and adobe and we continue to um to really focus on several opportunities for our students um to make sure that when they leave us they're prepared for whatever way or route that they want to go if you want to move into business and industry or if you want to move into a career you've got that diploma but you've got that certification whether it be CNA or first responder we now have drone classes um we've got cosmetology classes we've got um welding we've got pipe fitting we've got such an array of things that our students if they want to go right into to the workforce they can and then we've also got a, a pathway for our students who are college bound um to where that they can participate in high level courses they can get that dual enrollment credit saves the parents money in the long run um helps the child to get sort of that that step forward and so we're really pleased that not only our graduation rate is above the state but we we're graduating students who we really believe are prepared for their chosen future and i'm going to go back just for a second because i know we've talked about this just not on the show even but in real life and so i want to make sure we don't go over anybody's head when you use the term you know dual enrollment you know and the credits i feel sometimes you know when you know you put a bunch of surgeons in the room they just assume that everybody knows what they're talking about or those kind of things but 
you know, correct me if I'm wrong, though, but for the layman, for the non-educated as myself, what we're talking about is, as for a parent, what we're talking about is you can have a child enrolled in, you know, the Iberville, you know, they could be at Plaquemine High, but they're also, while they're at Plaquemine High, taking instruction that is getting them credit to where when they move, you know, when they go into college, they might be, depending on... Uh, and I'm going to speak out of turn. I'm going to get it wrong. But it was like they could almost be a semester in or, you know, potentially further. So they're not starting just it with zero credit. It might be as if they've already done a semester, you know, at the community college or at LSU or something like that. It's that I'm breaking it down really simple, but I'm just yeah, wanting to yeah, make sure no, everybody gets it. Yeah, you got it. You're, you're accurate. So the dual <laughs> enrollment, um, we work with a couple of different universities, um, and so a dual enrollment, what it means is that the student is enrolled in high school credit. So they're getting their Carnegie units they need for graduation, but their teacher is certified to present the, the content at the college level, or they're receiving virtual instruction from the university. Um, and so in addition to the high school credit, they're receiving college course hours. And we actually cover the cost of that for our students. The only thing that our students have to pay for is the textbook. But we cover the cost of all of the dual enrollment um, credit courses that the students are taking. So again, it, it, it's huge um, for our students. We're saving parents money where we have students. I mean, it ranges. I mean, you know, you'll have a student with three, but you can have a student earning as much as a full year of, of college credit. We have students who graduate and they can start college as a sophomore. They've got their basic English and math. They've got some psychology courses. They've got um, fine arts. It, it just depends. There's a, a, a variety of courses. And then the other way that our students can get um, college credit, there's, there's two other ways. So there's advanced placement courses. Um, the advanced placement courses are again, taught at a very rigorous high level. And if you can pass advanced placement courses, you are ready for college. Um, there's an advanced placement exam. And if a student scores a three or better out of a one to five um, score, they do receive college credit for that. And then we also offer the CLEP examination. It's, it's basically a college level entry exam. Um, and we offer it in several content and subject areas. Um, the difference between the advanced placement uh, or the dual enrollment and a CLEP is you'll have a grade for your advanced placement, but on CLEP, you'll just get the credit, but you won't have a grade. And so again, there, it's no cost for our students to take that CLEP examination. We give them a, a sort of a pretest to see if it's something that they should move forward with. And if they score well on that um, pretest that we give them, we give them the CLEP and we have several students who earn college credit that way as well. So we, we've got so many different options for our high school students and, and their parents. And, and ultimately, so, so a student who's TOPS eligible can then use their TOPS as part of their master's degree. If it's a student who would wanna pursue a, a, an, an even advanced degree. Oh, wow. 
So is that for somebody, myself, again, I'm just bringing it, I'm going to get this wrong again. I'm 25 plus years removed from trying to even think of, you know, enrolling into college. But I, I remember back where we would go test out for lack of a better word. Is that the same kind of thing that we're talking about here? Like, I remember you could be like, hey, you've got to take this course. It's like, well, I, I already know enough of that. I want to test out of it. You can go to the college and test out. Is that similar to what you're doing? Or is this, hey, you can actually do this club here. And if you think you're really good, you can even maybe go with the, the school and then test out on another level. Or um, I'm mixing too much. Well, the ACT is very heavily weighted here. As you know, um, all students in the state do take the ACT regardless of the pathway that they do want to go. Um, so in addition to the ACT, the CLEP does get them out of taking, uh, uh, let's say a student who is very proficient in Spanish, they can come in, they can take the CLEP, depending on how they score, they could test out of Spanish one and Spanish two. Um, and, and the CLEP mm -hmm. exam, it is very similar to what you're talking about. It, it's sort of that that entry exam if you would want to test out. And it and again, we offer it here to our students. It's usually done in the spring of their junior and or senior years. And so again, they've got it. They get the results, and they know the university's accepted, and it moves them to a, a higher level. So that's awesome. One of the things. I just wanted to touch on, because I know we had talked about it before and want to make sure everybody knew you guys have not only you mentioned, you know, the drone program, you know, but also, you know, kind of getting pretty advanced and this drone stuff is real, you know, as you know, my hobby, I fly airplanes. And so I keep up with all of the drones and everything that there is there, but it's drones. And you guys also have the esports, you know, right. That are going on. Um, give me a rundown on that. Cause I think there's probably a lot of people, you know, that are just, you know, we hear esports all the time. We hear, you know, people are doing it, but from a what pushed you there? How did it get there? What are the how do the kids think about it? Is it growing? You know, what's the because you never would have thought we would have brought video games into school. Mm -hmm. But that's essentially what we've done, right? Right. So so we we've had a push for esports for a couple of years now, but more now than ever. We know that kids have to re-engage. So they missed three months of school. Um, we had the COVID pandemic. We have still dealing with COVID. And so we know that if a child is engaged with a club and activity, athletics, extracurricular, they're going to perform better. And so we want to make sure that we offer a multitude of options so that in essence, every child has something that they can be passionate about and that will help them to do better in school. That could be the arts, it could be football, it could be numerous athletics. And I was actually approached by um, our instructional technology facilitator and a technology coordinator asking if we could launch esports. Well, now esports is actually sanctioned by the Louisiana High School Athletic Association. Mm -hmm. So there are tournaments, there are challenges. And uh, we do have esports at several of our um, of our schools. We actually have a, a meeting room where we've got all of the technology set up. We've even got the gaming chairs so that they get that real real experience. Um, and again, we want 
everybody to have something. And, and we know that there is a huge push for not only gaming per se, but the creation of games and the coding that goes behind it. So, you know, we do proudly have esports, but we've got robotics, we've got robotics teams, um, we've got great partnerships with um, business and industry, and we really want to provide all of our students, regardless of, of it, whether they're at one of our academies or are at one of our traditional schools, we just want to make sure that they've got something that they can can really engage in to make that that high school and even middle and elementary school an, an experience that is positive and well-rounded. Well, it's funny you mentioned it because I was gonna, I was kind of leaning somewhat around there, but you took it directly there. You know, I think we'd all agree, you know, it's the attitude at which, you know, we walk through the door that makes a big difference. And just recently, I've, I've got some second graders in my house and, the school, like I've got one that they're twins, one pops and is running, you know, like can't wait to get to school. I got the other one that's just dragging, you know, just doesn't want to do it. And we could tell with, you know, some of the work that was coming home with him that didn't want to do it. You know, it just, it wasn't his thing, but it was amazing when you talk about having something that, something for everybody, the school literally changed and decided to have a morning, like add a morning recess like the first thing, first thing part of the day, like before you even start like out of carpool, throw the book sack down on the playground, you know, more. but it's not every day. It's like every, you know, it's like twice or three times a week, but I just, you know, kind of, you know, I go wake him up in the morning and on those mornings, he knows he is so excited. And I think that changes the whole attitude, you know, that we've seen. And I'm picturing, you know, it might be somebody who, not all of us are wanting to go put a football helmet on or swing a baseball bat or, you know, it's, but if you can find that one thing that even if it's at one o'clock or two o'clock in the afternoon that you know, you're going to get to do that day, you're excited to do it changes everything. You know, you're not just going through the motions. Like I got to go through math. If you're in a good mood walking into that math class, you're going to do better. I believe than even it doesn't, Intellectually, nothing changes, but your attitude changes that, you know, hey, I'm going to go through math, I'm going to hit English and boom, I'm going to my, you know, whether it be the drone or I'm going to the arts program to have such a diversity, get people looking forward to something. The attitude makes the difference. And it sounds like that's what you guys have done and gone and said, hey, not only we're going to focus on academics and we're going to get some advancement, but we're also going to say, hey, not everybody wants to wear a helmet. Not everybody wants to do these things. You know, we can't just do the traditional that we've always done before. Um I think that makes a world of a difference at the end of the day. I tell people, um, I used to read a quote all the time. You said something along the lines of, you know, um, oh, I just literally just fell out of my head. Um, I'll see if I can think of it in a second, but <laughs> we'll come back there. But that's what you guys are ultimately working on, it sounds like. Absolutely. And, you know, what's so it's so exciting to see is not every school does it exactly the same way. Um, you know, each school sort of has its own little twist. I mean, we, we have club days at some of our school where, you know, everybody can go to a club or an activity that they, they want to participate in. That, that may be 4-H club. It may be chess club. Um, and then even at, at some of our um, elementary schools, what they've done is they've got a variety and they, they will alternate 
so that when they get to middle school, then they can sort of have been exposed to several things. So you may go to um, a STEM teacher, you may go to a drama teacher, you'll go to library, you'll maybe go to dance, you'll go to several different things. And then as you get into middle school, okay, I, you know, as an elementary student, I got to experience all of this. And the one thing that I really liked might be drama. And so, you know, I'm going to kind of go that way. But, but it, it, our schools, our principals and teachers have done such a great job of exposing the students to so many things. Um, you know, I guess in a lot of ways, we say that, that Iberville is sort of the best kept secret and we're trying to, to not let it be a secret anymore. You know, right now, Iberville is known for business and industry. You know, we've got Dow, we've got Shintech, we've got SNF, we've got um, several things on the east side of the river. Um, and we're not necessarily a bedroom community. Uh, a lot of people drive in, they, they come in to work. But what we want people to know is not only do you have a place to work, but you've got a great place to live. You've got a, a great community to be in and you've got great schools or programs depending on, on your student and their interest. Um, you know, I mean, we, we offer just so, uh, just a multitude of things for our students. What you don't have is what I dealt with today that you had to be so gracious to bear with me as I was 20 minutes late for this traffic mm -hmm. you don't have the traffic you know that we have over here so that's going for you um, uh, yeah yeah i mean you know part of the issue that we face and and you know because of where we're located we do we pull uh, we have teachers who reside as far away as saint mary and and livingston i mean we've got people who reside in east baton rouge west baton rouge um, and they drive in and traffic is a huge issue for us, especially with that bridge. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we do, we, we have, we're in the top three for average teacher salary and the top three for starting salary. And so, you know, that, that's a, that's a draw. And we definitely want people to know that, that you can come to Iberville and you can start out teaching at $51,000. But not only do we pay you well, but you're going to teach in great schools. You're going to teach in great programs. Um, you're going to have a great principal who's there to support you. You're going to have a great leadership team on that school campus. And, um, you know, we, we, we just want everybody to know that, that Iberville while, while that bridge is a deterrent sometimes, it's definitely worth the drive. Uh, I was referring to if you were in Iberville and lived there in the community, you don't have the traffic that we've Correct. got, you yeah. know, over here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's what I'm, I just pulled up the quote I was trying to pull up and try to remember. It's, I think you guys have, you know, realized, and as you continue to grow, you've made the changes, but the quote that I was trying to, it was William Pollard. It says, you know, the arrogance of success is to think that what you did yesterday will be sufficient for tomorrow. And I think it's, you know, that's, you guys have said, hit it on the head and saying, we're not going to do that. We've been successful what we've done, but we're not just, we can't maintain status quo. No, you know, I, we have to keep, <laughs> you know, growing. We can't. I mean, society now has different demand 
than, than we've had in the past. I mean, there are jobs that are being created right now that we do not know are going to exist in, in several years. And so we've got to prepare our students to, to be ready to go into those types of careers. And so not only do they need to have content, but they've got to have critical thinking uh, skills. They've got to have soft skills. They've got to have an ability to communicate with people. They have to know that if, if Brandon and Arthur don't get along, they may have to work together. They may have to, to come up with ways that they can do that. And so we do have to address all of those things. You know, one of the things that the state has recently passed some legislation on is that all administrators and all K to three teachers have to be trained in the science of reading. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we've seen across our state and, and the nation, quite frankly, is the read, reading levels, the things that students have to read has significantly um, changed. You know, mm -hmm. uh, students have to graduate reading on a very high reading level. Um, and we cannot continue to send our students to middle school not being solid, strong readers. So, you know, we began that initiative a year sooner than the requirement. So all of our teachers are participating. Uh, all of the, the required teachers are participating in, in this science of reading training because we want to be at the forefront. We don't want to just be sitting back, resting, um, you know, on our, our past successes. We are a B-ranked school system. Um, and, and of course, like everyone in the, well, nearly everyone in the state, we did see a decline in our mastery um, and, and advanced rankings, but we did significantly better than several school districts around us as well as across the state. And I think it's because we have a mindset that we can't, we can't stop growing and learning. I met with a teacher this morning um, and, and she was just talking about the importance of continuing to be a learner in her classroom, that she wants to make sure that she's providing not just adequate instruction, but high quality instruction for her students. And she just talked about the value of the professional development that we offer here in our, our district for our teachers. And so, yeah, we definitely have the mindset here in Iberville that good is not good enough, that we want to continue to, to not only, we want to surpass good. No, that's, and I'll, you know, shameless plug on our, you know, myself here, but to your credit to what you talked about, you know, when we originally created and put together and brought, you know, KidScoop News, you know, to, you know, our communities here, we reached out to you guys and said, hey, We've got this, you know, literacy program, you know, first to fifth grade, you know, and you guys jumped and said, yeah, we'll, we, you know, we want it. And so we've heard great feedback. And I always like to take this chance because I want people because it's recently, you know, what got me there was learning and really understanding that literacy is a big deal. You know, a lot of people don't think about it. And so anytime I get a chance, I have to tell the story. I'm hoping somebody will hear it. Somebody will realize I'll be honest, I didn't put a lot of weight into it. It's like, yeah, my kids will learn to read. You know, they always heard, you know, read to your kids every night, mm -hmm. you know, but it's the most shocking and you in education will know this, but a lot of people may not. So I always try to bring it up. It's that third grade reading level is for anybody who doesn't know, 
that's the starting algorithm. You know, that's the metric that starts. And when you run that out through a program, you've got states and most states are using starting third grade reading level of how many prison beds do we need? And the way that it was explained to me when I got into this literacy initiative was up until third grade, you're learning how to read. And from third grade on, you read to learn. And if you get behind that curve and you get behind it and you're not there, it makes everything that we've talked about, you know, for this, you know, last 45 minutes on, you know, reading the instructions on an e-game, reading the drone book, you know, like if you're having to try to still struggling on that, it, it's a direct impact. And a lot of people don't realize, it. you know, they just assume that you pick it up because it's just one of those skills. It's kind of like, Hey, he learned to walk, you know, he figured right. it out, right. but it's like, no, there's different levels of reading, you know, and you've got to get there and you've got to continue. But and I think we just skip over it. And I know, especially in our state, we've got a real problem. And so I appreciate you guys jumping in boards, helping support us and let us help you guys. So, but yeah, well, you bring up such valuable points. I mean, you know, we will naturally learn how to speak. We will naturally learn how to walk, but you don't just naturally learn how to read. It does take explicit instruction. We have, uh, we, we began instruction here at uh, pre-K uh, three. So, I mean, we've got three-year-olds and um, our early childhood department, we, we work collaboratively even with daycare centers. So we, we also dabble in uh, birth to two. But wow. we see as early as three-year-olds significant gaps in our learners. Meaning if you come from a home where you are read too often and you're surrounded by books and language, there is a significant difference in your trajectory than the trajectory of a three-year-old who comes from a home where they weren't read to, that, they, that language wasn't used. And so, you know, the message that, that we would want to send is, you know, let's not let's not send our kids to school disadvantaged. Let's give them every opportunity to be successful. And it is a, it's about spending time with those children at the very young ages reading because we'll do everything we can to close those gaps. But it, it definitely is a challenge. And, and again, we see it as early as three years old. And imagine the frustration for a child who goes into middle school where they're supposed to be, you know, reading to, to learn things and they can't read fluently. You know, think about the frustration that they must feel and, mm-hmm. and the frustration that a teacher who is designed to teach that content. Is having a backstop, yeah. Right, you know, because they're designed yeah. to teach that science or math content, not necessarily the basic fundamentals of how to read. And so that's what we're trying to put a stop to that our students don't leave third grade and have that reading gap. And, uh, you know, I, the, the state calls it a, a reading revival. I'm not sure what you call it, except that it is extremely important because if you're a fluent reader, you will be more successful in math, science, and social studies because of your ability to read. No, I'll tell you, and I'll leave you with this you know, story unrelated to reading, but it talked from how important it is, is there's a story where the Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker, was, he talks about how he loved to play golf. 
and but he was horrible at it. Right. And so every time he'd hit the ball, it flies off, you know, to the left or to the right. He went and got an instructor and spent months, you know, working on it. One day he's out, you know, playing with some people and his instructor's there as well. And he hits the ball and just, fly, you know, it's flying off to the right, whatever that, I don't play golf, whether it's called shanked it or hooked it. I don't know which one is which, but he just looks at his instructor and says, you know what, I'm done. I, you know, months doing this, I paid everything. It's just, it's not working. And his instructor looked at him and goes, no, calm down. Good news. You're just two millimeters off, you know, or one millimeter off. He goes, what are you talking about? Do you not see that I'm 200 yards? I'm on the other hole. I'm com- the trajectory is complete. He goes, but no, if you change your angle of attack against that ball by one to two millimeters, you're perfect. Right. And so the now I bring that up when we I get into this literacy conversation that it's like you hear people talk about, you know, and you hear people tell parents, you know, read with your kids when they're little. It's like 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes a night. Like just that one little bitty thing could literally change the trajectory of their life mm-hmm. because they're going to, like you said, when they get into fifth grade and they get frustrated and then they're, you know, the grades aren't where they need to be. And then they get into early, you know, high school and they're frustrated because they're behind. And then now they've got this idea of like, do I drop out? And then if they drop it, like, I could do a whole show on this whole conversation, but it's the little bitty, you know, one to two millimeters, you know, makes a huge difference in this, it changes people's lives. And I don't think people realize, like you said, we learn to talk, you know, we just, it happens. You learn to walk. It just happens. But you're not just going to wake up one day and start reading, you know, a book. You've got to work at it. And we can't expect, and I say this whenever I'm talking to people in your position, because it's easier for me to say it, you know, like parents, you can't expect to drop your child at school and pick them up and then be done. It's not a hundred percent, you know, the school's job. It's not your job. It takes a village to raise a child. We all have to work at this together. So yeah, absolutely. Climb down from my soapbox for a second. (laughs) Well, at least we're on the same soapbox, right? There we go. So, well, look, I tell everybody, you've got more important things to do than to sit here and talk to me all day. I absolutely appreciate all the conversation. Would love to have you come back tell us what's going on i know today's today's a big day i saw report cards go home today so that's um so yes sir sir. (laughs) might be time for you to duck out of there a little bit early before people start questioning things so so. well brandon i appreciate you giving me the opportunity just to to talk about the amazing things that we have going on here in iberville um, we, we have a top quality school system and um, the educators on, on the ground in our schools, we, we would put them up against anybody. And if there was a competition, I can guarantee you we'd be at the top. There we go. Well, I appreciate you taking some time. I'm ready to do it again when you are. We'll reach out to you. So I'll let you run back to your day, get everybody situated. You got other things to do. So appreciate the time. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right.